Good evening, listeners, and thank you for joining Be Free Ministries. Good evening, listeners, and thank you so much for joining Be Free Ministries NC Live. As always, it is such a joy to come into your home to share the Word of God with you, and so I'm so excited to give a follow-up show to our show last week. Last week, we did a pre-inauguration show just to talk a little bit about President Donald Trump, giving a little bit of history about him and some of his key cabinet positions um, or individuals for his key cabinet positions, just to give you a little bit of tidbit about them. My main concern for his cabinet positions was Mr. Vo, who he has uh, appointed as the Secretary of Education. I do have some concerns about her policies. I, if you are a parent or an educator or involved with education in any capacity, or if you're just concerned about public education in particular, I encourage you to look up information about Ms. DeVoe, D-E-V-O-S, just to hear some of the hearings that have taken place concerning her as well as some of her background as it relates to education. I think you would be surprised about some of the information that you learn about her and some of the responses that she has given to senators who question her about her positions for moving forward as the Secretary of Education. So please, please, please look that up. We educators, at least here in North Carolina and specifically in the city of Durham, we have launched a uh, advocacy campaign to contact our senators so that they will not vote for the appointment um, of Ms. DeVoe. And so I encourage you again just to look up some information about her and see her thoughts and her her potential policies um, as it relates to public education, okay? And so, again, tonight is a follow-up to last week's show. So our topic for tonight is, it's been a week. How are you doing? <laughs> it's been a week since President Donald Trump has taken office. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I would really love to hear from you. I've been listening to the radio station I've been listening to individuals uh, talk about the transition, and so I'm curious to know how you're feeling, what you're thinking. If you have some thoughts that you'd like to share with us, please give me a call at 929-477-1209. So I'm going to give you just a little tidbit about some of the executive orders that President Donald Trump has signed in. And I'll give you, you know, a definition of executive order because I had to look it up as it relates to executive orders is different from um, what was the other terminology that I looked up? It was last week. Um, I don't remember what it was now, um, but I'll give you the definition for an executive order and what that entails as far as presidential um, signings of those, and I want to get into the scripture. I had planned to get into the scripture last week, but we didn't get there because it was so much information about, at that time, President-elect Donald Trump. So we want to get into what the Word of God says about leadership and about those who are in authority, okay? So let me share with you what an executive order is. An executive order is issued by 
the President of the United States to help offices and agencies manage the operations within the federal government, okay? A lot of times these executive orders are put in place in particular when there is a transition of power between president to president. Um, They do that in order to begin their transition of laws and policies that they want to see in place while they are president, okay? So that is what an executive order is. It manages the operations within the federal government. And I wanted to share with you, just in case you didn't or haven't heard or haven't done any research, just a few. There have been several executive orders signed into place. Don't know that exact number right off. I was looking up a few that the president has established I wanted to share with you tonight. So one is the Affordable Care Act. He rolled back the Affordable Care Act in the respect that companies don't have to be uh, legally responsible for signing um patients to the Affordable Care Act, okay? So they, an executive order has gone out to roll it back. And this is just the start of President uh, Trump eventually eliminating the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, okay? He, it, it, it has been said that he has some thoughts about a plan that he wants to use to replace Obamacare, but that has not been released to the American public as of yet. So hopefully that plan will come about soon so that the American people who are currently uninsured or who are a part of Obamacare will have an alternative in order to secure health care for themselves and for their family, okay? So that has been rolled back um, based on the executive order by President Trump. Immigration, President Donald Trump has signed an executive order to build a wall, that affects uh, uh, immigrants from Mexico and surrounding borders from getting into the United States. He wants to have Mexico pay for the wall. Um, And I was reading that he wants to exact a 20% tax from any um, imports that are going from Mexico to here. Don't know how that will go over with the Mexican government. I haven't done further research about it, but I encourage you to do so. So that is one proposal that I was reading. I don't know if it's a final proposal, but one proposal that has been talked about within the Trump administration to have that 20% tax put on to help pay for the border. Because I know the Mexican, I don't know the Mexican president, even though I know he um, said that he would not be traveling. He was scheduled to travel to the United States and he decided to cancel that trip, and so I'm pretty sure he's not going to, as a leader, have another leader tell him what to do for him and his country. That's just Stephanie talking, so we'll have to see how that particular executive order by our president pans out. Like, will the wall really get built? And if it does, who is actually going to for this wall? Because I really don't see Mexico doing it. And again, that's just Stephanie talking, okay? Along with the immigration um, executive order, President uh, Trump, excuse me, woo, Trump bump. Okay, so President Trump has also cut federal funding to sanctuary cities. So there are sanctuary cities within the United States. Um, I just wrote down a few. Some of them are New York City, Chicago, D.C., L.A., 
San Francisco, Dallas, Denver, Portland, as well as other cities within the United States that provide sanctuary for illegal immigrants. They basically provide shelter, sanctuary for them. You know, the United States in times past haven't really touched those cities. They kind of let those cities be ran by the state, and they just kind of don't bother it. And so Trump has decided that he no longer wants these sanctuary cities to provide shelter for immigrants, illegal immigrants. And so he has signed an executive order to cut federal funding to these particular cities. I have my thoughts on that, but I'm not going to share them right now. I just want to give you some information so that you can go do some research for yourself. Okay, another executive order that President Donald Trump has established is to reinstate the Mexico City policy. Let me tell you what that is. And the reason why it's called the Mexico City policy is because it was first established in Mexico. But this policy prevents global health organizations that receive federal funding from the United States to refrain promoting or mentioning <laughs> abortion as an option for family planning. In other words, if I am if I have a family, say I, me and my husband, we already have 10 kids and we're trying to keep from from getting 11, you know, the, an, or, uh, an international organization cannot offer me or cannot even mention offering me abortion as an option to plan for my family. Another example, if I'm raped and I've become pregnant as a result of that rape, uh, I, these international organizations are unable to provide me or those that are you know, funded by the United States are unable to provide me um, resources or uh, assistance or guidance or from or even mention the fact that abortion is a possibility for me to not have this baby, okay? So I'm going to say it again. The Mexico City policy prevents global health organizations that receive federal fund, funding from the U.S. to refrain from performing or promoting or mentioning abortion as a method of family planning. Now, I have my own thoughts on, on abortion, um, and I really don't think I should share those right now, but I have my own thoughts on abortion, um, but I am of, of, of a person who I am not going to tell a woman. I'm going to tell a woman what the word says, but ultimately the decision is hers for what to do with her body, and then she has the answer to whatever God she serves. I would never tell a woman who has raped or, or, or sexually assaulted or whatever the case to have an abortion or not to have an abortion, I would never do that. Again, I would tell them what the word says. I would probably share with them my personal thoughts, but I would tell them, please make the decision that is best for you, and you have the, you know, that's between you and your God. Y'all make that decision, okay? But again, that's an executive order that went out, the Mexico City policy. Look it up and get some more information about that. The last two that I want to mention is voter fraud. So let me tell y'all something. This is just, I did not look up any information about the vote, the, the votes. Once November 8th, or excuse me, November 9th hit, because I actually went to sleep. Uh, November 8th, I was tired. Like I had been up that morning. I was just tired. I went to bed knowing, you know, 
Hillary Clinton would be president, woke up the next morning, Donald Trump. I didn't do any further research. Like I heard people talking about the electoral electoral college votes and how Hillary really won. I didn't do any research. I was going through, I was just in my feelings, didn't look it up. So I did tonight as I thought about the voter fraud um, executive order. This, these are the statistics from the, the, the election on November 8th. Hillary Clinton received 65,844,610 votes. Donald Trump received 62,979,636 votes. So Hillary Clinton actually received more votes by the American people than Donald Trump did. Like I heard people say that and heard mention of that, but again, it just it just didn't sink in, and I didn't do any research. She actually received more votes, but we have to factor in the electoral college. The Electoral College says that in order for a presidential candidate to even have hopes of being president, they must receive 270 electoral votes. That's the minimum that they have to receive in order to be considered as president. Hillary Clinton received 227 electoral votes while Donald Trump received 304 electoral college votes. So even though the voters, according to the statistics, voted Hillary Clinton, she got the 65 million plus, Donald Trump got the 62 million plus, the electoral college vote is what helped to, or actually what elected him as president. I'm going to let that sink in. Okay, so I probably would have been fighting. Like, I probably would have been like, no, I, you know, I know probably, you know, the Electoral College has uh, votes, you know, the Electoral College has been around for a while. Look it up if you don't know what it is. Um, but it's been around for a while. But man, I, I probably would have been fighting on that one. But that's how the voting system occurs in America. So I'm pretty sure that's why Hillary, she just conceded. She didn't, you know, try to fight, but she actually won the vote. And I'm there. <laughs> but Donald Trump felt like there was voter fraud because Hillary got more votes than him. He <laughs> he felt it was voter fraud. So he signed an executive order to research voter fraud here in America. So he, he voter fraud. He wants it researched. He feels like there were three point, excuse me, three to five million votes were cast illegally. That's what President Trump feels, that three to five million votes were cast illegally. And that those illegal votes robbed him of the election. That's what he said, that it robbed him of the election. Now, he's the president, but it robbed him of the election. So, and so I read that to, to read that not only did President Donald Trump want the electoral votes, he actually wanted the votes from the people, and he felt like he was robbed. Okay, I'm going to leave that right there. Along with the voter fraud executive order and the research going forth, you know, to to find out, you know, if voter, voter fraud was actually a part of the election. He wants, um, or another area of concern for him, is voters who are registered in two states. So there are some voters who are registered in two states, I'm assuming because they lived in one, and then, you know, 
for a certain amount of years and then, you know, went to live in another. But the thing about that is, you all, his daughter is a registered voter in two states, and one of his cabinet members is a voter registered in two states. So if he's coming after voters who are registered in two states, I hope that does not exempt his cabinet member or his daughter, and I'm going to leave that there. All right, last thing I want to mention because my time is slowly going, and I do want to get to the word of God, is the federal hiring freeze. He's signed an executive order to freeze all hiring of new positions in the federal government as well as vacancy positions. So those positions that are vacant, vacant, no hiring can take place in those areas at this time. And he also has one of his cabinet members, which one? Um, I can't think of his name. I can't even remember his position right now. But he has one of his cabinet members looking into decreasing the employees in the federal government. <laughs> and again, I have thoughts, but I'm going to leave them there. I'm going to leave them. I'm going to leave them. So those are just some of, not all, but just some of the executive orders that President Donald Trump has signed into, not into law, because these are not laws, but just orders that help or that that uh, that help the federal government function. Um, they're just orders. They're not laws. In order for laws to pass, you know, you have to have the Congress, you have to have Senate and, um, and into place with that and, and some help from the House of Representatives. So, yes, those are just executive orders. So he's hoping to get the ball rolling on some laws based on his executive orders. So just stay tuned. I actually have updates that come to my phone because <laughs> I want to know what's going on. So I have updates that come to my phone. And so when I hear my little beep beep at work, if I'm not teaching the children at this moment, I grab my phone and what's the headline? Okay, I'll read that article later because I want, I want to be an informed American citizen. And I want to know if it's time to fight, if it's time for some advocacy, like I am there. Okay. All right. So let's get into the word of God for the 20 minutes or so that I have left so we could get an understanding about leadership and authority according to the word of God. Now, I know a lot of people have problems because I heard people talking about the scripture when President Donald Trump won, but we cannot refute what the Bible says. First scripture I want to go to is Romans 13, verses 1 through 2. I'm going to read all my scriptures from the King James Version tonight. So Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2 says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. There is no power but of God. Everybody who is in power, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's what the word says. Now, let's take a minute to think about this, because there's been a lot of different thoughts and interpretations about this. Um, some Christians, they believe that the state is so corrupt that they don't you know, they should have as little to do with the, the state as possible. Some Christians believe that the state authority, uh, we should follow it, you know, there's state authority in some areas, and then there's church authority in other areas, separation of church and state that I agree with. 
Um, and then some Christians believe that it is the responsibility of all Christians to make our state better. I can agree with that too. Um, we're going to talk about praying for, you know, our leaders uh, in just a few minutes as well. So I do believe that it is the responsibility of, of us as Christians to do what we can to make our state better, whether, again, that's advocating for those who are unable to advocate for themselves, standing in the gap for those who may be voiceless like children or um, uh, those incarcerated or those, that, you know, youth, who, youth and adults actually that are caught up in the sex slave trafficking. Like we have a responsibility to show forth love, share God's love, and to speak forth the ordinances and the will of God according to his word and according to what he speaks to us in our prayer time and in our, you know, worship time with him. We have a responsibility to do that, I feel. So I agree with that position from, from some Christians. And I also believe that there there is a, a distinct separation of church and state because some things that our governmental leaders, whether it's local, state, or federal, that they have set in place or want to set in place is not of God. Uh, prime example, homosexuality. It is clearly outlined in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin, but it's also clearly outlined in the Bible that stealing is a sin. So we're not going to put one sin above the other, okay? So it's clearly outlined what is what Ten Commandments, Word of God, clearly outlined what is of God and what is not of God, okay? So I do believe that there are some laws put into place that, go against God and to go against his word, all right? And so we have to be led by God. We have to, first of all, know what God's word says, know what God is speaking to us directly in our prayer time, in our worship time, or just if we're talking, just like you and you and I are talking now, I'm talking to you listeners now, just like you have that conversation with the Lord, whatever he's speaking to you through his written word or through direct conversation, that's what we need to follow, so, I, again, I believe in a distinct separation of church and state, but I also believe that everybody in authority has been given a measure of, um, what word, Lord? I don't know what word I want to use. I'm not going to say approval because I do not believe approval is a word. That is not the right word. But they've been given a measure of that, that authority by God. That's good, Lord. Thank you. They have been given a measure of that authority by God. Let me give you an example. That God does not approve of what the devil does. Let me say that again. God does not approve of what the devil does. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes that we might have life and have that life more abundantly. God is light. God is life. God is love. God is about restoration and healing and salvation. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So God does not approve of what the devil does, but God has given the devil authority over this earth. I want to make that clear. Y'all know where I'm going with it? So while God may not approve of everything that Donald Trump is doing, he has given Donald Trump a measure of authority over the United States as president of the United States. Doesn't mean he approves everything that Donald Trump does, just like he doesn't approve everything the devil does, but he has given him a measure of authority as the president of the United States. But you best believe that God is still, 
in control. Let me say that so you can hear me. God is still in control. Amen. Let me give you an example of that. Job, the devil had to go to God and ask for permission to afflict Job. And God was so confident that Job would stay faithful to him that he said, yes, you have permission. So the enemy has to have permission. Y'all, let me tell you, don't get it twisted. The enemy has to have permission from the Lord to bring affliction or whatever it is that he brings. All right? And I'm going to leave that right there. Okay? So I encourage us to, as much as we can, to follow the laws and the statutes and the rules that have been established by our governmental systems, whether that's locally, state, or federal. You know, pay your taxes, um, file your taxes, <laughs> obey the, you know, speed limits, and, and I'm talking to myself on that, we'll praise him. You know, follow the rules of the land, okay? Follow the rules of the land. So I say that, and then I'll give you another scripture. I'm going to give you a couple more, actually. I want to read First Peter in your hearing. First Peter 2 and 13 just kind of goes along with following the rules of the land, obeying our governmental leaders. It reads, First Peter 2 and 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king, the supreme, or, verse 14, unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So really laws were established to prevent evildoers from just running roughshod. Do kill was meant to prevent killers from killing, but of course, you know, we have people that kill. Do not steal was to prevent stealers from stealing, but of course, they do it anyway. So our laws, biblical laws, as well as governmental laws were set in place for those that would do evil. And then to give us order and, you know, for, for everybody, order for everybody, but praise to those who do well. So if you follow the laws of the land, you're good to go. If you don't speed, you don't get a ticket. You don't kill somebody, you don't have to worry about going to jail. You know, laws are put in place in order to exact order so that there will be order and not chaos, okay? And, again, it's set up for evildoers and then for a praise of, the, of those of us who follow the laws. If you do well, you get praised, right? You get congratulations. You get celebrated if you do well. So if you follow the laws, you don't have to worry about anybody bothering you. You break the laws then you have something else going on entirely. So submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Amen. So again, as much as it lies within you, live peaceably with all men. That's what the Bible says. Live peaceably with all men, including your governmental leaders. Okay? Live peaceably, follow the rules, obey, do what you need to do to stay in a right relationship with God first and then with governmental law second, okay? But even as I say that, I'm going to read Acts 5 and 29 to you. This, I, this one I love. Now, I love those scriptures too because it's the word. This one I really love. So I'm flipping there now, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. It says, then Peter, oh, Peter, this had to come from Peter. <laughs> then Peter Okay, this didn't come from Peter, but he in it. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, oh, yeah, they did. It is from Peter. I'm sorry. We ought to obey God rather than men. 
Let me read it again. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So while the Bible does tell us to follow our governmental leaders, uh, follow the rules, the laws of the land, obey God. That's why I say as much as it lies within you, live peaceably. But then the Bible here says we ought to obey God rather than man. In other words, if there are laws enacted that go against God and go against his word, we are to obey God rather than man because I would more rather experience the wrath of man than the wrath of God because God's wrath <laughs> is unending. Like, it, it, it gets you. So I, I follow this scripture. I'm going to obey God before I obey man. So if there's a governmental, I don't even know, I don't even know a law that they would exact that may cause us to have to take a step back and not obey it. But if it comes into existence, say, for example, under President Donald Trump's um, leadership, if he decides the exact laws, that, that that say, you know, you cannot worship God Almighty. You have to worship Buddha or you have to worship Krishna or you have to worship Muhammad. Now, if he exacts the law that all Americans have to do that, then you obey God rather than man. And the Bible says, thou shalt have no other God before me. You should not worship idols, huh? That's what the Bible says in the Old Testament in Exodus, I do believe, that we are to worship God, the one true and living God, God only. So if that law is established, then you who? Who do you obey? You obey God rather than man, okay? So as much as it lies within you, obey your governmental leaders, but if they say something or do something or exact the law or pass the law that goes against God, you follow God, okay? And I hope we're all in agreement with that. All right, so I want to read Acts. Oh, excuse me, I just read Acts. I want to read First Timothy 2. So along with leadership over us, we need to pray for those who are in leadership over us. So I am turning to First Timothy now so that I can read that in your hearing. This will be the last scripture that I read before the broadcast ends. So First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Oh, that's Second Timothy. Let me get to First Timothy. Okay, here we go. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, is good, verse 3, and acceptable in the sight of God our Father. It pleases God when we pray for those who are in leadership over us, our local leaders, our state leaders, and our federal leaders. Whether we agree with them or not, whether we agree with their policies, their positions, the words that come spewing out of their mouths, whether we agree or disagree, it is pleasing to God when we pray for them. I am going to share something with you. It was a challenge, let me tell you, for me to pray 
for President Trump. It was, it was, it was a challenge, and I had to really set aside my pride and my anger and, you know, give it to God, repent, so that my heart would be free to pray for President Trump, at that time President-elect Trump. It's gotten easier over the weeks since the presidential election in November. It's gotten easier to pray for him. But initially, I didn't want to pray for him. But pray for him. Pray for them, those that lead. Like the Bible says that we, we as Christians, may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Because let's be honest, the decisions that our leaders make, affect us as Americans, whether we're saved or not saved, the decisions that President uh, Trump makes, it affects me. It affects you. It affects us as citizens in America and citizens of this world. And I, I say of this world because foreign policies are real, and our president has to be peaceable with foreign leaders so that America can be peaceable. So we need to pray and ask God to humble President Trump so that he can peaceably talk with foreign leaders so that we in America can live peaceable lives. So we are to pray, regardless of how we feel or what we think about them. We are to pray for our leaders. Amen. Amen. And that really concludes my teaching for tonight. But to say this, like um, I don't know, I know God gives us all dis- all uh, uh, different gifts and different ministries and different ways to carry out his will, but I encourage you that if, if there is an organization in your community that is an advocacy organization or an organization that fights against policies that are not for the betterment of all America, I encourage you to at least get some information about those organizations so that you can be better informed about what's going on in our world and so that you'll know how to fight for the policies or laws um, that may not be for the Again, it may not be everybody's fight. It may not be your fight. You may not be an advocate. I've been advocating for a very long time. I started in the school system simply for my students. But um, 